Hello, Abby, and welcome to the NDA PMU podcast. First Hello. of all, hi. Before we launch into today's topic, how about you tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you work, what you do there, something about your past experience. Sure. Um, I'm Abby Martyr, and I live in Minnesota. And um, contrary to popular belief that there is not snow on the ground uh, 12 months out of the year, in fact, it's pretty hot. Um, by day, I am a brand strategist, um, and I'm also a professional polymath, which I love talking about because there are so many of us and, and we don't really have any guidance in our community. Um, I have a master's in marketing communications uh, from the West uh, University of Westminster in London, excuse me. And uh, before that, I studied music history and archaeology, and I've also spent uh, about a decade in politics, so don't hate me for that. <laughs> I couldn't possibly. I couldn't possibly. For a start, you got out of politics, so it's great. Well, you know, first of all, I can really see where we're coming from when we're going to launch into the the topic of this this conversation, this podcast, because mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about what it's like to be a professional polymer. So, mm-hmm. so I guess the first thing to find out is, you know, what's your definition of a professional polymath? So my definition is a bit long, but. I think it all needs to be in there. (laughs) Um, It's somebody with many passions and interests and creative pursuits, um, but so much so that one career just isn't enough for them. They want many careers. They want to be expert level at everything they do and will probably switch back and forth between careers. Um, In other words, somebody who does not have, quote, one true calling, uh, but many callings, I suppose. Fantastic. I mean, we've obviously all heard about the phrase jack of all trades. Um, You know, I I reckon between you and me, we could probably turn our hand to a few things. But you said, you know, this expert level, that kind of scares me. So tell me a bit about being expert level good at this. (laughs) Well, I didn't say we become necessarily become expert level at at all things that we're interested in. But um, to me, jack of all trades and the term generalist implies that uh, I'm okay being Meh, okay, at a lot of things. And as a professional polymath, I am not. I want to be expert level at every single thing I do. I dive super deep in right away and I I just want to mine all the information I can about this topic. Now, I know in my ideal world, I would have PhDs in like 15 different areas and, you know, uh, be at the top of the top of the career ladder in all of them. Um, and I know that's not possible. So that's kind of the eternal struggle of the polymath is, is trying to figure out where to put your time and uh, how you want at the end of the day, how you want your path to, to look. I guess, I mean, it, it's, it, I'm, I'm exhausted already listening to you. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> I want 15 PhDs. James almighty. But, well, I mean, how, how do you, can you do lots of things at once? Or is it a question of going from one to the other and then focusing like a deep focus on one of them? Good question. Um, people do it different ways. Um, I go back and forth between things. In terms of my career, I tend to go on kind of a steady path like this. You know, I'll find something translatable and then I'll move to the next thing. Then I'll find something translatable and I'll move to the next thing. And they don't they don't look like they're connected, but in my head they are. (laughs) Um, But in terms of my other passions that don't earn me money, those I go back and forth between. uh, some people, uh, there is there is the approach where you just get a, a job for life that uh, supports your activities. And, you know, it may, may not be the love of your life, this job, but um, it 
you know, is, is your financial support. Um, and it allows you to do whatever you want outside of the work hours. Some people are fine with that. Um, some people want to be an expert, then an expert, then an expert, then an expert. Um, that's not me because I need to, I need to be doing like 10 things at once. <laughs> so I know I'm never going to be able to be, uh, be truly a hundred percent an expert. Um, and then, and then some people just kind of go where the wind takes them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and some people find a career that actually manages to combine a bunch of their interests. Like they, they find uh, an intersection they can sit at, um, which is great for them because it combines all of their, you know, seemingly disparate interests. But at the same time, it's kind of ironic because they end up super specializing in whatever this weird combination of interests is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You become this very, very particular kind of mongrel. Yes, yes, exactly. How am I employable ever again? Um, it's, <laughs> it's really interesting from the professional aspect because I've been reading some, some bits and pieces and did, I've commissioned a couple of articles on it. Typically, we recruit. If you look at LinkedIn, for example, it's got CVs. I mean, it's, we don't have profiles on there. We've got CVs, don't we? And it's yeah. all, it's all basically, um, you know, where I was and what I did. And we're still looking. Do you think employers are still looking at people in in that kind of format? Where have you been? What 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 sort of career progression have you had? Honestly, it's been it's been a bit difficult to have uh, to try to convince hiring managers to, to break out of the mold. Um, many, many times I've had people, you know, kind of look at my resume and then kind of squint and, and then say, huh, well, that's interesting. How did that happen? Tell me how you went from this to this. And I really have to be on my game in terms of communicating transferable skills. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of a struggle having, uh, especially, you know, people of the generation before me, uh, convincing them that I can be something, even though I didn't follow the perfect path there from the time I was 20. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of an evolution. Um, but right now I'm really hopeful actually, because I feel like there is, especially since the pandemic, a lot of more, uh, conversation on LinkedIn about um, multidisciplinary careers. And they seem to be becoming more of a topic, which is just crazy to me um, because I've been waiting for this my whole life. <laughs> but um, it's it's really it's really exciting. I like it. Fantastic. Like people want that unicorn. People use the word, you know, unicorn all the time. It is interesting. I mean, some of those articles that I was looking at moving away from CV-based recruiting to uh, skills-based recruiting. Yes. That's going to be so important now. We keep talking about agile yeah. organizations and cross-functional departments, but it does, I mean, does it, does it not require on behalf of the recruiter quite a bit more effort? They're not fitting things in boxes anymore. They're, they're really going to have to delve into the individual each time they, they interview. Yes, I don't. Uh, I don't envy <laughs> recruiters or hiring managers who are trying to place people into these boxes. Um, I only know it from my side, which is the applicant side. Um, and I just try to go for everything that I can do my best to convince them if it doesn't work, then oh well. But um, but yeah, you just have to you have to try for for whatever you think you can do or will be passionate about. And how do you think, I mean, loads of people will say, oh, yeah, I'm interested in stuff outside outside of work. And a lot of people have fallen into things, no matter how 
um, you know, they'll have gone to university, spoken to the careers advisor, mm-hmm. and um, you know, whether their parents got involved or their friends, their peers, they will have had maybe a path, and many will have fallen into things. But can you, or does it go against the grain? Can you prepare to be a professional polymath? Can you design your career as a polymath? I mean, if if you're a true polymath, you kind of have to. I mean, you're born like this. This is just how I'm wired. I tried for so long to find, you know, my 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 career path, my mission, my, you know, people say I find your calling. Um, but it just it kept changing. And I was so frustrated because I knew I looked flighty and I knew, you know, like my my parents were probably worried because I was jumping from career to career. Um and I was trying so hard to settle down, but I just couldn't. And eventually, eventually, when I started reading about the topic, I realized that's what I was and um, that I was just never I was going to have many callings. And I just had to live with that. Um, and some things I do fall into some things, uh, some things you do have to plan. Um, you always feel like there's a clock ticking behind you, because if you have 18 interests, you can't give equal amount of time to all of them. So whenever I devote an hour to one of my interests, I have this voice in my head saying, you're taking that hour away from all the rest of them. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a chaotic career, but, um, but, you know, I feel like we need to normalize chaos. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I've just now sort of got the idea that you're now surrounded constantly by squeaking minions. Then give me time, give me time. Yes, yes, exactly. I've never heard that. I've never heard it put that way, but that, that is perfect. Excellent. I mean, it's it. I keep. I know. I keep coming back to the CV idea, which is terribly boring. But it sounds to me like it's the sort of thing that we should start putting mission statements. You know, we put mission statements for brands. You're a brand strategist. Maybe mm-hmm. we should have our own mission statement and go. Hey, I'm a professional polymath. You'll see this in my experience. This is what it means. Oh, that's amazing. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm constantly. Str- <laughs> I'm constantly struggling with the the structure of my CV and and rearranging it. Um, but yeah, I love that. That's amazing. It does seem that if we're going to do stuff outside the normal structure, how the hell is it going to fit in the normal structure of the way we do things? We're just going to have to change the structure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, yeah. Why I, I just tell people at the outset, especially in, in interviews or hiring manager, like, look, this is who I am. I have many, many professional, professional interests. You're not going to see a very linear path when you look at my CV. Well, I, I mean, I, I think you should be encouraged. I definitely think that you're at the the sort of the bow wave of of this this wave of um, the changing the way we view recruiting, changing the way we view the skills we need in companies. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I guess you're going to you're doing the hard yards for the for the rest of them. I, I'd say because yeah, <laughs> more like you. There's going to be so many more like you. I'm quite sure. And and there are there are already. They just they're lost and they they think there's something wrong with them. And kind yeah. of well, one of my missions is to is to get the message across that this is this is a personality type. This isn't something you can help. This is something that you're born with and there are good things that you can do with it and you you can have a successful multidisciplinary career. Would you say that this sort of outlook, I mean you say very much it's it's a personal personality thing. Um, mm. You know, we we talk about having diverse teams and I'm not talking about things like neurodiversity, et cetera. I'm just talking about people with different perspectives, you know, people with mm-hmm. different skills and different personality types, et cetera. And do you, what do you think 
being a professional polymath lends to when you're either when you're in a team or when you're problem solving or something, does it give you a specific perspective that might help you uh, see paths where others can't because they're perhaps in a box and, and they only ever look at their their box, their purview, their their expertise? Exactly. Um, that's one of what I call um, our superpowers. <laughs> I didn't come up with the superpowers thing. Emily Wapnick did. She's she's pretty much the only one. Uh, that's done quite a bit of research on this. Um, but anyways, one of the superpowers is idea synthesis, um, where we you know, are able to take ideas from our past careers and, and, and implement them in areas where they might not have normally been. Um, we are very rapid learners, <laughs> incredibly rapid. <laughs> um, we're not afraid to be beginners. Um, we're good at translating between uh, fields of study or professional worlds. I mean, we each, all professional worlds kind of have their own language they speak. Even if we're all talking about the same things, we say it in our very particular ways. Um, and I've had to learn how to speak many languages, so to speak. Um, we're also very adaptable. <laughs> we love change, which is very odd. We'll probably be the only person in the room who loves it, um, but it, it really helps move things forward. Fantastic. I love the fact that you love change. I'm I'm a Scorpio. I don't believe a single thing in astrology. I really don't. But the <laughs> fact that apparently Scorpios hate change is me to a T. I, oh. I wouldn't have moved out of any box if I hadn't been kicked, shoved, pulled, moved. Mm-hmm. I'm quite happy in this really painful job that I'm doing because I just don't want to change. I would rather just be miserable every day. Well, and that's everyone's choice. I mean, you know, I, I don't want you to be miserable every day, but I mean, if somebody is, you know, in a career that they love and they're like, what's wrong with me? I've only done one thing. Well, that's yeah. fine. That's totally fine. You know, I think, I think it's the value of having a perspective of someone who isn't frightened of change. And you have these two opposites on this on the scales kind of thing. And you can you can sort of come together. It's like, OK, well, I now rec- the, 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 the Scorpio now recognizes, OK, well, maybe a little bit of change. And then mm-hmm. maybe maybe the polymath goes, OK, well, maybe we won't throw the whole thing up in the air and start again. And mm-hmm. you, know, the, the, you can sort of get the best of both worlds. Um, just just sort of to close out the, this chat. What sort of advice would you have of someone who's listening to this going, oh, my God, I thought I was like scatty, but actually what I am is a quick learner and I'm just, you know, hyper interested in the yeah. world. What oh, I love that, hyper interested. Advice, hyper interested, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of advice would you give to them, either in terms of being able to, to channel this superpower or, um, you know, to, to, to make the most of it? Because obviously they can't do 18 PhD or 15 PhDs simultaneously. Right. Right, right. Um, well, first of all, the the one big thing I would say is just relax and calm down because you don't have one true calling and that's okay. Just get that out of the way, recognize it and, and start to be okay with it. You're going to do many things. And sometimes just letting that sink in is a really long process. <laughs> Um, but yeah, then when you're ready to channel things, then you do have to prioritize, but you also just kind of have to listen to yourself and what you are incredibly passionate about at that time. Um, you may grow bored of that after a while and that's fine. You'll move to something else. Um, but you just kind of have to, you just kind of have to listen to what's inside you. Fantastic. Abby, it has been fantastic chatting to you again. I I love doing these podcasts because my perspectives are always 
so much opened up to, to new stuff, even in my little unchanging box. I still find, <laughs> I still find new things to, to learn and listen to. So Abby, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're so welcome. It was lovely chatting with you too. Fantastic. And there you go. One podcast in the box. That's okay. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) You were fantastic. Don't worry about it. In fact, I think a couple of times I spoke over you, which is really bad. I was like, oh, shut up, Laurel. No, no, no. I I spoke over you a couple of times and I just felt I was talking too quickly. And that was, you know, Amy's one piece of advice was um, just speak slowly. And I did not do that. (laughs) You weren't weren't bad at all. You weren't bad at all. I think your natural cadence is quite clear anyway. Um, So I wouldn't I wouldn't worry. You can feel because you're a little hyped. You can feel like, oh, God, this is all spilling out. But it felt like it was structured. You know, I said there's no wrong answers, but it felt like you answered my questions. It wasn't like you flew off at a tangent and I had no idea where we were going next. So, well, they were all like, I mean, really relevant questions. I mean. Yeah, you you hit all of the main points and main struggles, and <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah. just it's a really interesting topic. You can't really go wrong without by talking about something that's interesting. And if it really interests you, as I said, you know, even if you've you know you you threw a name out there, that's something for uh, Emily would what would uh, Emily Wapnick. <laughs> um, so so there's something for people to go on and explore, and that's always really mm-hmm. interesting. But. Um, you know, you felt like you, it felt like you knew your stuff, you were passionate about it, and you had a very clear way of communicating it to other people. Um, so that's what makes it engaging because we can feel that you're interested in it and we that's what makes it interesting. And okay. a lot of people sort of think, oh, I'm going to have to stuff something with 150 proof points and references. And, and that's okay in a written piece because people mm-hmm. can explore at their leisure. But actually what makes things engaging when they're listening is hearing that other person's excitement about a subject. Yeah, that's That's another thing. I had proof points that I didn't, I never threw in. (laughs) You never never use them. I mean, sometimes you use them. It's particularly useful if you're worried you're not going to get onto a topic. Um, And so you're, or you're, you're about to run out of something that you think you need to say, but you're not quite sure how to get to it. So a proof point, yes, they are very useful, but if you've been talking fluently and fluidly and it's engaging, then it's not necessarily needed, but they're very handy little sort of points to get you onto a topic of discussion. Yes, for sure. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Don't don't get rid of the idea of having proof points. Yes, yes. I do need need proof. Um, What can I work on? Just off the top of your head. Um, oof, I don't know. And if you think of something later, you know, you can just like let me know or let Amy know. <laughs> um, hello to your pussy cat. Um, oh my gosh, you can hear him. Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. It's normal. Uh, I just, it's it's, we're not, in, we're not in soundproof studios. If it were, you know, if you were doing, I guess a professional broadcast, broadcast, broadcast thing, we would have found, yeah. you know, also it would be really difficult because you're in Minnesota and I'm not. So, so we have to do it like this. Yes. Um, you know, big name podcasts may well be in a podcast studio where you can control the environment, but we're used to this after two years. So we've done so that. Once my dash and didn't go insane. I had a helicopter. So we probably heard that because I live near Royal Ascot. So I've got no, I did not hear that. pop shows going over my house in um, <laughs> Um, I can't really think at the moment. I mean, you were prepared, you were relaxed, uh, you, you, you're engaged in the topic. It was an interesting topic. Um, I can't really think, I mean, 
just just for you to be relaxed, I guess, would be the only thing is just to not worry about these things, to to enjoy doing them. Okay. They're, they're good for you to do. It's great that you had proof points that you didn't need. <laughs> it was great that you threw in and put in there. Um, you had some really clear, not everything has to have an action point. I just ask questions like that because it's a handy way of rounding off the end. It's like, what advice can you have? And you had that you know, off the top of your head, you came up with some really interesting stuff. I like the fact that we did talk to each other. It wasn't just Q&A, Q&A, Q&A. Mm-hmm. You, know, you picked up on something I said and I picked up on something. So, you know, there were a couple of bits in there where it was more like a conversation and less like an interview. Yeah. So, so don't be frightened. Oh <laughs> doing that. So I would say if anything, if there's one thing that would make it more conversational, is that, you know, you can ask a question of me. You can say, you know, okay. do that. But it's not something I would have expected. I would have, I would have been, it would have been fab, but it's certainly not something I would have expected. Certainly not up first up. But Okay, but that's a, that's a, that's a really good thing for me to think about. Because if you were having a conversation about this with your friends in a coffee shop, you, it, they wouldn't be grilling you. You'd be saying like this, have you tried doing this? You know, have you ever in your career found that you end up doing lots of different stuff? And so, yeah, it can be it can be quite conversational, but it's not something I would have expected first off the bat because you'll have been told you're going to get asked questions, you know. So but yeah, that well, I don't want to I, I have an issue of sounding a little too robotic. So um, that, that I yeah, I want to work on anything that it can to reduce that impression yeah, I mean it's fine I, I wouldn't have said robotics so it's absolutely okay, good good, good. Yeah, it's great so just yeah the point is would be yeah you can you can chat back to me that's fine you're the expert in all of this remember if you're invited onto a podcast you're invited because you're the expert so okay. you can in many ways control the conversation um yeah and just yeah okay. have fun with it do more you're gonna do more gonna try and find more I hope so I really hope so but I don't know how to I, I, I still don't know how to really put myself out there for these things so yeah it's it's the horror of LinkedIn but you know you can do just well now you've done it you can stick podcaster in your polymathy uh, uh, oh that's true that's true so that on LinkedIn people will search for it and they will look for podcasts oh I didn't think about that do you think they search for it okay you know how they're like four different sections where do you think they would search for that so, and maybe at the top where where you put in like hashtags things you talk about yeah so i mean you could you could do a post on linkedin and say i just had a great experience where i was talking about being a professional polymer oh. hashtag podcast hashtag uh, pmu podcasts and people are looking for you know podcast interviewees that will come up in the search um you know you can put it in your bio bit just been introduced, you know, been introduced to the world of podcasting. Um, you know, the fact that you've done one, it's neither here nor there. You've done one, ergo, you're a podcaster. So, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we're going to start somewhere. So, um, yeah, sure. I mean, I stick down the fact that I'm a broadcaster and occasionally I pitch up, but not very often. I'm not a broadcaster like I don't read the news. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, what what kind of broadcasting do you do, if, if I may ask? I know it's already... Um, so I've done, I do podcasts and things. I'm interviewed on podcasts and, and whatnot, but um, I also did BBC. I did BBC radio and I've done BBC TV. Um, and do you know my friend, uh, Joe Twyman? 
I don't know. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Okay. He does. Um, uh, he's a pollster, political pollster, and he does a lot of political commentary on the BBC. And I think he has a, I feel like he has a show there at Sunday nights where he just talks about the news of the week. What's his name again? Joe Twyman. Twyman. Yeah, the, the BBC is enormous, and I, I, right. I'm not close to the political bit at all. So my, my got it. Okay, well that makes I, sense. I wrote per, um, parenting books way back in the day, um, so they got me on for that, and then oh, I started doing yeah. interviews on radio, and then they got me in to do the occasional bit on BBC Breakfast and stuff like that. So okay, yeah, no, he's on new bit opposite corner. You might have seen him in the halls though, because he's very very tall. So <laughs> he's a big big clever person. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Fantastic. Abby, it's been lovely to chat to you. Thank you, you so as well. Thank you so much for making this like a really good first experience. So <laughs> that's what I'm here for. I'm not here to scare you off. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.